The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, and I am your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Singer. What's happening, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, Central City. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 7, Episode 15, which was titled Enemy at the Gates and aired June 29, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When an army of Godspeeds attack Central City, Barry and Iris must put their family plans on hold and focus on the latest threat to their home. Meanwhile, Chillblain is released from prison and claims to be reformed, but Frost has her doubts. Okay, so we start out Barry's at work in the crime lab when his daughter Nora shows up and tells him everything's going to work out and that she loves him. Of course, Barry turns out to be dreaming, but he immediately calls Iris to tell her that he thinks they're pregnant. And just a brief aside, I hate it when couples say, we're pregnant. You're not pregnant, Barry. You're not carrying the baby. Uh, At home, Barry rushes around to get some blood samples and urine samples to Star Labs, but runs into Cecile on the way out the door, though he flounders his way through, not revealing anything. Let's talk about the beginning of the episode. Jeff, what did you think of the reintroduction of Jessica Parker Kennedy as excess, the dream reveal? Uh, and Barry and Cecile, they didn't have a lot of time together uh, off the top, but it was sort of setting up what we'd see later in the episode. Okay, the dream was interesting because I was confused. Because, uh, you know, casting stuff, we know that she is coming back. And I was like, did uh, you know this not leak that her arc is starting a little earlier than anticipated? So I was very confused. Then it was a dream... And I was like, okay, clearly what she said is is a code for something, maybe. Um, and but then I still wondered, was it really a dream? I, like I was very confused. Um, but then when it was established that it was a dream, I was like, okay. Um, uh, and then it set up like the, all the pregnancy stuff, which I yeah, like I understood the comedic possibility of it. I understood that it was a little cutesy. It was good to see Grant Gustin play sort of like you know a fumbly Barry. I didn't mind that. Uh, yeah, it was a cute way to start the episode. Um, I was a little worried because we kept on not seeing Iris. I was like, is this Candace Patton's week off? Uh, as well, uh, because they they were, like, going really hardcore at, like, no one can see Iris. So I was like, are we not going to see Iris, too? Uh, so I, I thought of Dimitri, and um, I thought of all of us, and uh, felt sad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a COVID consequence, 
Um, you know, if this was an ordinary situation, uh, I'm sure they would have at least had her for, you know, a, a scene or two. But I think, you know, in COVID times, if you don't absolutely need someone, you just think, well, fine, you can just be on the other end of the phone. Although mm-hmm. to not even have her voice on uh, was a little weird. Yeah. Um, at Star Labs, Frost is working on some art when Chester comes to tell her that Mark, a.k.a. Chillblain, has been released. Chester thinks maybe Mark's turned over a new leaf, but Frost isn't so sure, and she takes Chester's crazy suggestion to stalk him until he slips up. Dimitri, you hate Frost, and I think you also hate Mark, so let's talk about Chester. How do you like how Chester <laughs> is settling into the team? I think he's settling in well. I think, um, you know, uh, this provides a nice sort of occasion for him to show like a little bit of camaraderie that doesn't feel forced. Uh, like, you know, when, when uh, a couple's pregnant, um, you know, when, when Barry is pregnant and, and Iris is pregnant, um, then it, it creates sort of a unifying um, atmosphere. You know, if your coworker, you know, says, you know, they're expecting and, you know, you might have only known them for two weeks, but everybody's like, oh, yay, baby. Um, so I think in contrast with other scenes where Chester's like, Cecile, you got this. I, I know you got this. It's like, no, you don't. Um, this was much more natural and I think provides a nice backdrop for him to sort of grow into the, the Team Flash family. Yeah, I agree. You know, we obviously, you know, we had concerns when we found out that uh, Carlos Valdez was leaving the show. Uh, and it was obvious that even, you know, last season they were sort of introducing uh, Chester's character as the eventual replacement for him. But I think he is settling in well. He's got a good sense of humor and he brings that, that nice sense of energy and sometimes a sense of wonder that's sometimes missing from the show because most of the characters are kind of blasé about, well, we're just dealing with this world-ending threat because we dealt with another one last week and another one the week before that. Um, so I think he's uh, he is settling in and, uh, and as we'll see, you know, played a, a key role in the uh, the episode as well. Uh, Joe's apparently squatting in Ralph's old PI office, which gives him and Kramer a place to go over the information he's gathered. Uh, as they chat, Kramer talks a little bit about the night of the attack and reveals that Adam's call sign was Rasputin, which Joe tracks to a boat nearby. After Kramer gets that old meta-hunting gleam in her eye, Joe reminds her their mission needs to be about justice, not revenge. So let's talk about Joe and Kramer, as it seems they're going to be off on their own socially isolated side quest for a while. Jeff? How'd you like your dynamic? And do you think there might be more to the story of Kramer than we've been told so far? Okay. So throughout their journey throughout the episode, uh, but we only got to a certain point, so I'll go up to that certain point. Um, I found the dynamic intriguing. I don't fully trust Kramer. And the fact that she had that weird glimmer in her eye and Papa Joe had to talk her down yet again. I'm like, I don't really think this is the good cup that you keep on saying that she is. Clearly, she was she was out for revenge. She wants vengeance. Clearly, she is a stupid woman. If Papa Joe, it, within a week, got a huge fucking lead about this whole case that she's been after for, what, like a decade or more? So, clearly she is not capable of doing whatever the hell she needs to do. Uh, Papa Joe is the super detective, I guess. Um, that is his superpower on The Flash. Um, I, I love Papa Joe. 
Um, Kramer is hella sketch. Uh, she's very suspicious, and and so I don't know if I fully trust everything that she says. Uh, the I think the big piece of intel and the big question that Papa Joe asked that I wished he would have uh, really harped on was the fact: Why are you still alive? How are you still alive? All of that, whatever it was. You know, and you made it out alive and everybody else dies. Are you a meta, Kristen Kramer? And you're not telling me? And how do you not That's know? That's what I'm thinking is, is the case. Mm-hmm. I suspect that she might be a meta and maybe she doesn't even know it. That might that be that story it. about, you know, it happening and she has no idea how she survived it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it might be interesting for someone who has been hating metas and hunting down metas to suddenly find out she's a meta herself could be, a, you know, an intriguing resolution to this. Maybe. That might be the whole thing that changes her mind about everything. Uh, but I think she could be a meta. And the other thing that I found really suspect was the fact that she doesn't know his powers. Like, you were, like, brothers. You know, you know she, both of you bonded because of your indigenous heritage. Uh, he was always there for you. And you don't know what his powers are? Like, that to me is uh, suspect as well. It is nice to have some indigenous representation, and yes. uh, you know, I, I I kind of like Kramer for some strange reason, and I think it's because I think it was Dimitri said this before that you know we have absolutely no reason to trust her except that Joe was vouched for her, and because we trust Joe, uh, you know, uh, we sort of extend that uh, that aura uh, to her as well. Now maybe he's wrong, maybe he's being played for a fool, but you know, yeah, I trust Joe, and uh, and you know, otherwise, yeah, I mean, she's done enough sketchy stuff and, and, you know, frankly, you know, evil stuff that, you know, uh, we shouldn't trust her. But uh, I do feel that there's there's another rather large shoe to drop. Now, there's only, I think, three episodes left in the season. Yeah. Uh, and given what we're about to talk about, I, I, I wonder whether this is going to be a holdover or something like that or whether they're going to be playing seeds for next season. Um, but uh, moving on, in Central City, a pair of Godspeeds show up. And while I've said this before, I'm not generally a fan of speedster on speedster violence. I did think the costumes looked great. Uh, Dimitri, without getting to the end of the episode, are you looking forward to Godspeed? And were you surprised? see two of them showing up um now you know let me just say at least they have nothing to do with that forces of nature saga that we had to uh go through in the first half of the season so that's got to be a good thing yeah i think um we had the first genuinely menacing threat um in uh in a while this episode i thought was genuinely exciting and i think a few things were at play i think um it, it created sort of a perfect storm um, where there wasn't really any like forced drama. It was a very natural drama. Caitlin's operating on somebody. Barry, you know, um, you feel like he's he's in a vulnerable place, having you know sort of just found out that his wife might be expecting. Um, but you know he he sort of can't get to her. That creates some tension in the episode. There, you know. A little, a little, they're short one, you know, super person uh, with Cisco gone. They're short uh, gunslinger Iris. Um, they lost Wally a while back, you know. So they're, they're really strapped for, you know, um, fighting, uh, fighting forces um, if Star Labs is threatened. And the whole sort of creating a bubble of, uh, around them, uh, a force field to to 
uh, keep the Godspeeds at bay, it creates this tension that, like, all right, they've got limited time. They're going to breach the force field. They have to find a way to keep everybody safe. And I thought that was genuinely, you know, it, it felt genuinely threatening. I think it helped that there were, like, 10 Godspeeds in total, I think, or, or 12 maybe. Um, I think, you know, if it was one Godspeed, it just wouldn't have felt as imposing and it would have just felt like a meta of the week kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued to see where this goes. And obviously with that really weird ending that I'm sure we'll talk about, I think everybody's just like, wait, what? No, somebody explained this. I did want to ask while I have the mic though. Um, cause this confused me during the episode. Can somebody tell me what a call sign is? Oh, that is the, uh, the, like if you are a flyer or something like that, if you ever watch Top Gun, you know, Maverick would be a call sign. Uh, it's it's what they refer to rather than using your name. I see. Okay. Okay. Can I, also, I didn't know they used them in the army, but apparently they did. Can I also mention that a beaker filled with Iris's urine exploded in Barry's CSI lab? Oh, we'll be discussing urine a little bit later. Okay. Uh, in the med lab, Caitlin's working with ultraviolet. Caitlin thinks she can fix things, but ultraviolet is unwilling to go through with it. Allegra pleads with her cousin to reconsider. Now, I personally am not a fan of either character, but it is time for our weekly check-in with our Spanglish correspondent, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, how was the Spanish this week, and what did you think about Ultraviolet arguing against the treatment while Allegra was arguing for it? All right. Okay, so last week I talked about how I, I was the only one, I guess, that, you know, I, I don't want to say I enjoy Allegra, because I, I really enjoy Chester. Allegra, I'm, I'm okay with Allegra. I think both of you are kind of like, eh, about Allegra. Which, you know, it's fine. Uh, the cast is big. You don't have to like everybody. Uh, this week, I was a little bit like, eh, about the storyline. Like, it made sense. You know, the stakes were raised. Uh, uh, what was it? What are they called? Black Hole doesn't exist. Uh, uh, and so uh, the technology and her mask, which is how she communicates and blah, blah, blah. It's not updating. And like, I understood the stakes about uh, um, Ultraviolet's life. Um, I thought Allegra made a good case. I didn't fully, well, I guess I could understand where Ultraviolet was coming from. Like, I don't trust her. Uh, this, that, or the other. I don't know if I want to go through with the surgery. But I'm like, come on. Like, after all of this, like, they saved you. They, you know, they took you in. Allegra clearly trusts her, and you don't trust her. Like, that, the argument I thought was um, kind of cheap. But I get that they wanted to cr still create a bit of strife between the cousins. So I guess they needed that, uh, as far as the Spanish, I had given Allegra props on her Spanish last week because she only had a sentence. She got a little bit more in this episode, and it was no bueno. Uh, so there was that. The other thing that happened, and um, I was surprised because I immediately went on Twitter to see if anyone reacted to it, and only one person did. So she goes, Entonces estoy jodida which was translated into, I guess I'm screwed. And then uh, Allegra says, no, no estás jodida. Basically, it, you know, no, you're not screwed. 
Holvida isn't really used to mean screwed in Spanish. Like, it means fucked. Um, like, growing up, you know, it's jodido, the male version, and jodida, the female iteration. I grew up, I could not say jodido in the house. Like, that was a curse word. And to hear it on a broadcast channel, even though it's Spanish, I was like, they just said fucked on the CW. And I don't think anybody realizes that they said fucked. And I, you know, I Googled it because growing up, you know, you're told that it means one thing. And I know in Spanish, in different countries, you know, different words mean different things. Um, I did read that, it, you know, in one of like the many definitions, it, it does say screwed. But in Spanish, we really don't have a term that actually means screwed. Like, whenever you use jodido or jodida, it means fucked. It means fuck. Like, it, yeah. So I was just shocked that, th- that they included that language in the damn show. I was like, damn. I guess somebody didn't really do their Google search right. A surprisingly informative check-in from Jeff Spanglish Corner. Tune in next week for uh, uh, Jeff Spanglish Corner again. You're welcome. Uh, I'm working on a little jingle for that, but uh, you know I've, I've got to check the, uh, the translation because apparently you can really get in trouble for that. Uh, because Caitlin's busy, Barry has to test the suspiciously transparent urine samples himself. Uh, he's surprised by Cecile, who takes advantage of her empathic powers to figure out what's up. Dimitri, we got a good bit of Danny Nicolette in this episode, and we're both big fans of her. How would you like Cecile's dawning realization and Danny Nicolette in the episode in general? Very much liked her in the episode. Um, I saw a fair amount of complaining on Twitter that, you know, <gasps> she used her powers to re- find out that they're pregnant before Iris finds out that they're pregnant. Which I, I guess is a non-issue because you know spoilers—they're not really pregnant. But um, that uh, you know, it—it's it's an interesting discussion. You know, Cecile can sort of read emotions, which means she can semi-read minds, um, and she does that uh, a couple times. So, well, now she's sort of doing it willy-nilly uh, without people's permission. She can't always <laughs> control it, I don't think, but you know. There's a there's an interesting discussion there about you know respecting people's privacy. The the, the I I kind of wish like Barry sped to Walgreens, got like you know one of those PNC tests, and gave it to Iris, and then Iris was like, wait, how do we find out if the child will be a meta? And then he was like, okay, let me do some tests at Star Labs. Um, the, the whole, like, I don't get why Barry had to DIY just, like, a regular pregnancy test. And then, you know, he spends the whole episode um, trying to sneak around the fact that everybody seems to be at work at Star Labs today. So that was, like, a little forced. But I do like that it brought out, like, classic Barry Allen, like, derpy, like, can't, you know, can't really improvise, like, not not great with his, you know, dialogue uh, off the top of his head. Um, that, I, I think, was a, was a return to, like, the original feel of the show. Um, but I, I kind of 
wish like I, I feel like the professor's right it probably is a COVID quint but um I I was like g- give us something give one give us a scene with Iris when we're gonna spend the whole episode talking about whether or not Iris has a bun in the oven and two um give us some reason he has to be in Star Labs beyond I don't know if my wife's pregnant and it's a lab. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it was nice uh, again to see, uh, you know, uh, Barry and again, part of it, you know, seven seasons in Barry has become, you know, sort of a more confident, um, even if it's not always earned uh, leader. So, you know, having something like this happen, it immediately puts him on the back foot, makes him, you know, much more human. And it does allow, you know, Grant Gus to play humor uh, in a way that he doesn't often get to do. But when he does, uh, it is a lot of fun. He's a guy who clearly has comic chops and it was nice to use that. Uh, I love the scene. You know, I, I real I agree with the whole, you know, the sort of invasion of privacy, which they sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, deal with it, you know, because uh, Cecile can't uh, actually control the power. So it would be like, you know, glancing at someone on the street and realizing they're pregnant from her point of view. Uh, but I just love the way Danny Nicolette played, you know, the dawning realization as she's sitting there staring at it and just this big smile comes over her face. It just felt it's so real. Uh, and uh, and uh, and it was a delight to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, it is giving, you know, bear that chance to uh, to sort of, you know, be playing the, the frightened expectant father. But yeah, I mean, couldn't you have had Cannon's Patton FaceTiming him or something like that, or at least a voice on the end of the phone. Um, it it just, mm-hmm. just seemed a very odd choice. The sort of thing they do, I mean, uh, you know, when someone is going to be, you know, directing the next episode or something like that, they, they write them out for an episode, but it did feel clumsy in this case. Although, yeah, again, my guess is just COVID quince. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, if just, just a quick FaceTime or something would have really warmed up uh, this you know, very, it, it, it feels weird to have this familial point um, driving most of the story in this episode with half the family. Uh, back at Star Labs, Chester figures out that not only are there two Godspeeds, they're appearing and disappearing seemingly at random. Uh, Mark tries to get some information from Caitlin about what her sister likes, only to be shut down. He's not good enough for her. And Esperanza apparently agreed off camera to get surgery because the next thing we know, Caitlin begins to operate. So as Barry rushes off to confront Godspeed, or a Godspeed, the whole team, except Joan Iris, is conveniently at Star Labs. What could go wrong? Turns out Barry's being lured into a trap and is attacked by six. Godspeeds. So Chester put the force field up. Barry just manages to sneak in. So yeah, the whole team, except Joe and Iris, really is conveniently at Star Labs. And Frost realizes they need all the help they can get, so she offers Mark his cold gauntlets back. Jeff, we know Dimitri hates everything Frost and Mark related, but what did you think about the chemistry between the two characters? And also, what did you think when you saw six Godspeeds? I'll answer the first, the the last question first. I thought, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, they're all lethal <laughs> when it came to that. Um, but as, as far as uh, Chillblane and Frosty, or Snowflake, as he calls her, I like them together. Their chemistry is kind of weird, uh, but it works for me. Um, they're playing Frost almost like you know, she's never been with a man before or something. Like, she's never had a relationship, which, I mean, let's be real. Um, she probably never has, uh, now that you really think about it. You know, she was sharing the body with Katie, 
And, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think she's ever had a relationship. So they're playing her, like, almost, like, fumbly when it comes to that. And it, a little cutesy. Uh, but I like their chemistry. So it works for me. You know, she's a reformed baddie. He's, I really don't know what he is. I don't know if he's hardcore baddie, if he's um, chaos baddie, chaos neutral, chaos positive. I'm very confused about what they're going to do with Chillblain. But um, I did like that uh, she told him, because he's been going very hard of like, you know, hey, we should go out on a date, let's get some drinks, let's do this, that, or the other, you know. We got chemistry, let's, you know, get chemical together, I guess. Um, The line where she was like, if you break my trust, you know, you've lost it forever. I was like, you know, that's a good line, you know, because uh, clearly she understands where he's coming from, but she just wants to make sure, like, hey, don't uh, mess around, because uh, if you do, whatever you think is going to end up happening with us is not going to happen. So I, I like that moment for uh, Snowflake. Uh, I feel like we need to address the absolute cringeworthy line where Frost is like, fine, you can help. And he's like, if you want me to help, you got to say it in a way that someone like me understands because I'm no hero. And it's like, haven't you been trying to impress her the entire episode, Chillbland? But no, she's like, oh, okay. We're screwed. Um, this time screwed actually just means screwed. Yeah. Um, and it's just the most cringe, like, trying to make these characters edgy. Like, uh, I, I, it, it makes no sense because the whole time the guy's like, I can help. Probably thinking, I can impress this girl if I help. And then it's like, Oh, I won't help unless you, what, use slightly fouler language? Yeah, it feels to me like they're just sort of trying to intentionally set him up as the bad boy. So, you know, uh, we don't trust him as much. And then, you know, they're going to give him a turn not unlike, you know, uh, when uh, uh, Ralph Dibney, uh, you know, uh, you know, turned uh, and, you know, was convinced by the team. Uh, to become a good guy. So my gut feeling is that's the way they're going. I I agree with Jeff. I think there's a great chemistry between the two. Uh, I also agree that, you know, this would be Frost's first ever, you know, dating experience. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit fraught in that respect. Um, But yeah, you know, the, the fact that, you know, he has come back, you know, uh, a couple of times, you know, they do still have the chemistry. Um, He, he was laying it on a little thick and I agree. Yeah. The, uh, that you guy talked to me like, you know, um, now there may be some truth to that, that, you know, basically, you know, instead of, you know, we have to do this for the good of the city, uh, saying we have to do this or you're also going to die might be a good motivational, uh, trick to use. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that line did strike me as being a bit cringeworthy. Uh, as the gods breeds break Can down we, the force field. Oh, oh. Sorry. I, I was just gonna like take us down memory lane and remember when like Wally was introduced and we had a character who was genuinely conflicted about joining the team and genuinely was a bad boy as we see him sort of like doing illegal street racing until Iris intervenes. Like, remember when characters actually had believable dialogue that made you believe they were who they said they were instead of instead of the writers just being like, this person 
is a badass. Just just believe us. They don't act like it. Just just go with it. Um, as the Godspeeds are breaking on the force field, Chester comes up with a plan to confuse them by broadcasting their own speech back at them at high volume. Uh, just in time, as the Godspeeds do break through and we get ourselves an old-fashioned flash speedster fight. With all the talk no jitsu this season, we really haven't had much in the way of fast fighting. And I thought it was interesting this was set to an actual song, sort of Shades of Black Lightning. I'll ask both of you, but Dimitri first. Uh, what did you think of the fight, the effects, and the use of the music? Nothing quite like a bunch of white people fighting essentially white Power Rangers speedsters to like sort of an old school hip hop track. Um, it was a little was a little forced. Could have maybe got away with it if it was just Barry, um, but. Uh, it, it was a little much. It reminded me a little bit of the scene where Sue's stealing something and she like dances for no reason. It just like it was slightly cringe, a little unnecessary. Um, and given that they were going to be overpowered anyway, um, like it could have been like, oh, we need a strong conclusion to show them uniting and beating all the Godspeeds, but that's clearly not what was going to happen. So I felt like this group of individuals has never looked whiter um so yeah jeff what do you think of the fight uh the special effects and the use of the music well dimitri didn't like it i didn't mind it uh yeah i thought it was fine uh clearly either the showrunner or whomever is in charge of the music this season really loves 90s tracks uh, with you know the prodigy and uh many weeks ago we had the desiree song uh, you gotta be cool you gotta be like they played that at the end and i was like it's hella 90s on the flash this season um in a good way uh yeah uh, i thought the fight scene was fine for what it was um it was kind of like a covid a safe fight sequence we had people in masks um those uh in my imagination of you know those vaccinated do not are not wearing the masks uh and uh, they were all you know socially distanced they weren't uh, bunched up together so it was a covid um safe fight uh based off of the fact that we are dealing with a season that's being filmed during covid i was actually impressed you know as we're getting close to the end of the season uh that we are getting a little bit more hand to hand combat um so i did enjoy that it, it felt almost throwbackish in a season that has been affected by uh, COVID, you know, their, their uh, COVID safety compliance type of stuff. And so, um, so I liked seeing uh, an old school, uh, you know, hand-to-hand type of thing on uh, The Flash. And it's just nice, you know, not to have someone talking someone down. Yes. You know, just, okay, you know what, let's just drop the needle and fight it out. Let's not, you know, talk no jits where we out of this one. And I think that uh, the, the best thing that they briefly, that they did, which, Professor, just really quick, the best thing that, that they did in this episode that forced them to not even think of that as an option is the fact that they all spoke modem speak. Yes. So you could have talked no jitsu, but they sort of screamed back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team is briefly winning, but eventually the tide turns and Barry has to lure the Godspeeds away, where they start stealing his speed. Six more Godspeeds show up, and just as you're asking yourself... How can Barry defeat a dozen Godspeeds? Turns out he doesn't have to because the six newcomers attack the six that were already there 
in another CG heavy fight scene. Uh, Barry theorizes there's a Godspeed Civil War brewing, which is new. Jeff, what did you think about the sudden introduction of six more Godspeeds uh, and the fight that ensued? That was hella weird. Hella weird, hella weird in a good way. Because we've never seen something like this before. And so I was down for this. I thought it was kind of, I don't know, I guess this is a show where you have to name everything. And so he was like, it's a civil war. I was like, oh, dude, don't be that dramatic. Go clean up the pee in your office. Um, the, the concept is new. It's different. I don't know what it means, though. Are there two godspeeds out there that are, like, fighting each other? Is there one godspeed, and it's like the younger iteration wants to take down Barry, but the older iteration uh, is like, no, I made a mistake. I need to go stop myself from doing that. I don't know. Uh, it's hella intriguing, though. They're, they Clearly, whomever or whoever it is um, has the uh, capacity to create these... Uh, human-like androids, uh, human enough that, you know, they can, they can do combat, uh, they uh, can communicate, they can process uh, uh, thought, and they can critically think and that sort of thing. So uh, it's interesting. I was down for it just because we've never seen something like this before. Like, we've typically seen, you know, what we saw in the beginning of the episode, a speedster wanting to steal Barry's power. Why they don't decide to just jump in the Speed Force and, like, kidnap um, not real Nora? I don't know. But uh, they clearly want to take down Barry. So what we saw in the beginning was kind of like the usual thing. What we saw at the end was something completely different. And if this is what the next couple weeks are going to be... Like, I feel bad for Central City because they're just sort of like, you know, the Mortal Kombat battleground... <laughs> Uh, yeah, those poor citizens. I hope they have insurance, because it's going to get messy in a really bad way. Yeah, I agree that it's sort of an interesting take, because as you say, we're so used to the idea of, you know, a lone speedster shows up, and uh, I'm faster than you. No, I'm faster than you. Let's run really fast and settle it this way. Um, you know, to have a whole bunch of them involved in, like, a civil war, this means it's not directly about the Flash, at least not someone attacking the Flash. Uh, I think it may, might turn out to be an interesting uh, take on that. So, you know, as I said, there's only, I think, three episodes left in the season. So, you know, if they are going to resolve it, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to get, you know, a lot of revelation as to uh, to what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I, like you, I, I really enjoyed the fight scene. Um, you know, it's been a long time since we had a good, you know, uh, nice-looking CG effect one. I thought the, uh, you know, the, the camera moves were really good. Uh, you know, all the god speeds uh, were good. The special effects worked well. Uh, it was, you know, a, a pretty impressive uh, uh, a bit of shooting uh, and, uh, and choreography, at least I thought. Um, so back at the crime lab, Barry finally runs his test on Iris's mysteriously clear urine, only to find out she's not pregnant at all. Dimitri, I'm sure you were <laughs> thrilled that means excess has not actually been conceived. But were you surprised by that reveal, given everything we saw in the episode? And given what Chester said earlier about ramifications, which at the time seemed like just the sort of throwaway line that uh, Dimitri might say, uh, that Dimitri might say, that Chester might say in that uh, context, um, do you think that there, there might be a significant change in the timeline as a result of not being pregnant? 
Um, I, you know, that didn't occur to me until you said it just now, just because whenever there's a change in the timeline, this show has not historically been subtle about it. Like, there's sparkles and newspaper headlines change and people, you know, dissolve into glitter and blow off into the wind. Like, that's the sort of thing that happens when the timeline changes. Um, I did want to clarify, I think, when you brought it up earlier, I heard that Jessica Parker Kennedy was coming back, but I, I thought it was like a guest sort of thing. Is it confirmed that she's coming back as a regular? No. I uh, know, just for episode 150 at least. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, uh, I was a little surprised that um, she was not pregnant, given that, um, you know, Barry has that. It seems like one of those things where it makes no sense that it seems like, okay, that's just what we're supposed to think. Like when Barry's mom, you know, falls out of the sky and Barry's like, the speed force. Like, we're just like... I- Looks like Barry's mom to me, but okay. Um, for you know, when when uh, when Nora appears, it's like it could be Barry's you know guilt or regret manifesting, or you know just missing her. Presumably, that's a thing people can do. Um, that seems like what it all it could be at first glance, but the fact that he then immediately calls Iris, uh, like gives us some sort of feeling. The same way we have a feeling that Joe is right about Kramer, we're just like, oh, they're they're pregnant. Barry Barry can speed force plot armor feel it. Like I just trusted that that was the way they were going, um, and I do know that they've cast uh, at least one uh, West Island child for, I'm assuming next season. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I wasn't thinking it was a consequence of knowing versus not knowing. Um, but I suppose we have three episodes to, to find out. Finally, in the stinger, Joe and Kramer are off in their uh, side quest. They've staked out a cabin they believe belongs to Adam. Joe is giving Kramer a pep talk when suddenly something comes up behind the car fast. And even as Kramer is saying they have to get out, the car explodes. So that's a series wrap for Jesse L. Martin. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, you know, a bit of a letdown to go out on this way. But, hey, you know, at least Joe got to die doing what he loved, giving helpful advice. Jeff, what happened and what happens next? Well, clearly Papa Joe's dead. Obviously. I mean, the, the, the reveal today that uh, Jesse L. Martin has uh, re-signed for next season is, is obviously a, a ploy to throw us off the scent. Yeah, he'll be back as a Force ghost. Or he'll be in the Speed Force. Yeah, speaking of another Force. Uh, Brittany had been trying to kill him for many seasons. Remember, Professor? The throwback. And now she got her wish. Papa Joe's dead. Um, okay. So, Papa Joe and even Kramer uh, are clearly both still alive, even though their car went kaboomy. How they're going to be alive, oh, yes, Kramer's powers will manifest. And uh, Papa Joe's going to be like, how did you do that? She's going to be like, I don't know. And he's like, you're going to be, you're clearly a meta. And she's like, oh, I guess I love metas now. Um... So I'm going to completely rewrite the CCPD and make it pro-meta. And then, you know, they'll hug and uh, he'll go back to Cecile and um, she'll go back to 
the governor or something. That's the storyline. I just predicted it for all of you. No, but clearly they're alive. Clearly this, I, I think her powers will protect him if, if that's the route that they want to go. Um, clearly it was uh, Creek that shot them. Uh, will we have a showdown with Creek in the next episode since there are three episodes left? Probably not. Um, we do kind of believe maybe that they will tie this storyline in with Godspeed. At least that's what we said last week. I after this episode, that's what you said. No, I think we had. A, I think there was co-signments. Um, Not from me. I I said the whole uh, the Godspeed thing was was completely unrelated. Oh, okay. So I think after this episode, uh, I don't think it it will be related, um, which is a good thing because uh, the internet was sort of rumbling, thinking they were like, oh, okay, well clearly he's going to be Godspeed. Um, I yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case now either. Um, yeah, but Joe is alive. That's all that matters, even though it looks hella precarious for him right now because of the kaboom. I, I might be the sole voice of dissent. I was co-signing with Jeff last week. Oh, that's and what it was. I still think, um, yeah, I think Creek is Godspeed. Um, I, part of me was wondering if Kramer's subconscious somehow controls the other six. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, but I still think, especially given we have three episodes to go, they're not wrapping up two separate storylines. This show can barely wrap up one. They're, they're gonna <laughs> converge them all together. Yeah, well, well the thing you that know they... what that mm-hmm. okay, sorry. I was just gonna say what Dimitri was saying. You know, that's that's uh, you know uh, a good point about this episode. You know, too many plot lines. I realize you've got a lot of characters you have to deal with, but the fact that they spent all of that time with Esperanza and Allegra just because they had to wrap that up, uh, the the stuff they the time they spent with uh, with Frost and Mark, uh, you know, uh, you know, all of these these subplots are really you know taking time away when you know as we've said we don't have a lot of series left or a lot of season left uh, to to wrap all these things up. So yeah, I feel that you know they did uh, they got sidetracked in, in a bad way. But Jeff, what were you saying? Well, two things, because uh, you mentioned Esperanza. Um, but so the first thing is, uh, Dimitri made a really good point of saying, I, mean, I don't know if I buy that Kramer is subconsciously controlling any of the Godspeed uh, robots, but they did introduce earlier this season the fact that uh, the Speed Forces, um, you know, they they were they you know they didn't know that they were controlling the uh, Speed Force storm that was attacking Central City. So they've already sort of established the idea that someone that has powers might not know that they are controlling something. So I, I, I don't think they're going to go that in that direction with Kramer specifically uh, as far as the Godspeeds, but maybe that could go into like her and her... Um, latent meta abilities that she doesn't know she has. The other thing... Okay, so they are doing, like, hardcore invasive surgery on Esperanza. And, like, the whole talk is, oh, my God, I got her neck open, and I need to just shut it, and this, that, the other. And we cut to the neck, and it's that horrible fake scar thing that she had at the beginning of the surgery. And they're like, we need to cut it. I mean, I mean, we need to, I need to like sew it up, but this, that, the other. And also the fact that no one, the, the most appropriate time to wear a mask 
when you're doing hardcore invasive surgery on someone's body, like the neck, anywhere, like Caitlin doesn't have a mask, uh, Cecile doesn't have a mask, Allegra doesn't have a mask, and they're like witnessing the surgery from like, what was it, three feet away, where, you know, droplets are coming from their mouths and stuff and, you know, shooting into the wound and she's going to get the gangrene or something. Uh, I just, I was like, okay, like the one moment where masks would make sense. They don't wear masks, any of them, not even the doctor that's doing the surgery on Esperanza. Yeah, I mean, I get that you know, the sort of the TV trope that you want to see the, the faces of the actors, but uh, no, I agree with you that if there was ever a time to justify, you know, just slap a mask on and then, hey, guess what? Suddenly we don't have to worry about COVID restrictions for this, you know, scene. Uh, but uh, instead they chose to uh, to show their faces. Uh, but I do like the meta theory. Uh, my assumption was it was just going to be the uh, the old cliche of, you know, the cliffhanger where, you know, you cut back to the scene. And it turns out they had enough time to get away and they're just lying there. But, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, if, uh, if if Kramer does have a meta power, then that would explain it. Or maybe Joe has a meta power. Mm -hmm. Before we got to the MVP section, was there anything else from the episode anyone wanted to mention? I really hope that Joe does not have a meta power. <laughs> I agree. Joe is, is Joe. The, yeah. Yeah, we have done the we're out of ideas, so now regular character has a meta power storyline enough. Okay. And, and just to put a button on it, Professor, we learned that Iris West Allen drinks a lot of water. Apparently, yes. And, and again, this is, it's funny that, you know, you can show fake blood, but you can't apparently show fake urine. Um, it's, uh, it's a bit like, you know, when you're watching ads for maxi pads, they always use blue liquid. Why is that? Um, but yeah, there was not a hint of color to that urine, but apparently Iris, the reason that we didn't see Iris in this episode is she was hydrating excessively. Uh, okay, it's time for the MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why? Hydrating excessively. Uh, oh, I don't I'll think you even realized that pun. State which character has been, once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Dimitri, for calling out my, uh, my pun, intentional or otherwise, I'll let you be the judge. Uh, I'll let you go first. Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? I think I'm going to give it to Chester in this one. I, I felt like Chester had a believable uh, position as the glue holding the team together, where it wasn't forced in terms of, you know, writing. It's forced in terms of circumstance, and he's just sort of, you know, running around, trying to do the best thing he can, accidentally overhearing Barry, give them some privacy. Come on, everyone at Star Labs knows but Iris. But I do think, you know, this was much more natural. Um, some of the previous episodes have tried to force, like, Hey, look, Chester's part of the team now. Just roll with it. So I think um, I think this this was a a much more genuine uh, moment of him bonding with the rest of the team, and I I think you know it was it was nice. It was a cute episode. Uh, brought us back to you know uh, old school sort of warm and fuzzy team flash vibes. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? Slightly unconventional, but I'm going to give it to Godspeed. Godspeed in this episode was a very good villain. Hella mysterious. Uh, which one? I'd say yeah, God, Godspeed. Godspeed. You gotta pick one of them. Godspeed is, is all of them. 
because um, they all they all share a consciousness, or they're all being controlled by at least one person, um, maybe two, uh, by the same name. Uh, but yeah, they, I thought they they were menacing. Uh, the episode was incredibly suspenseful because of the god speeds, um, the the costume, as you said, Professor, fantastic. The fact that they have uh, the white lightning was interesting as well. I loved that how all the speedsters have their own unique color. Um, yeah, I, I just thought the threat was at an, like, uh, an, just a higher level than ever. It was, like, hella elevated because of the Godspeeds. Uh, it gave me sort of, like, a really good, um, uh, menacing, threatening vibe that, uh, it's been a while since we've gotten on The Flash, and then this is the arc for the final four episodes of the season. So we saw the first one, we've got three ones, three, three episodes left. Uh, if they can sort of keep that suspense at the high rate that it was in this episode, uh, this could be a really interesting arc. Hopefully they don't screw up, you know, the ending of it. Uh, but thus far, the start was pretty good, and it's because of the Godspeeds. Uh, yeah, it's, it was an interesting episode because, you know, it was, you know, as I mentioned, because there were all the plot lines, it, we really didn't have any one character who was carrying things, um, you know, in, in a way that, you know, we have had in, in some of the episodes recently. This really was a much more distributed ensemble affair. Uh, but for me, uh, my MVP is, uh, is Cecile. Uh, you know, again, th- just that scene, I thought she had the great comic scene with Barry at the beginning, uh, the scene where she, uh, you know, made the, uh, you know, was she, you know, understood what was going on uh, with the pregnancy. And also, I've mentioned before, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for when Danny Nicolette plays the evil version of Cecile. I've realized I have a really big soft spot in my heart for when Danny Nicole is playing with green eyes. Oh, my goodness. That was spectacular. Uh, and how would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Jeff, how would you rate this episode? All right. Um, at the end of the episode, I actually finished it, and I felt satisfied. I, I thought it was a solid hour of The Flash. I will say, if I'm going to harp on anything, I thought the pregnancy storyline was, to steal a, a Dimitri term, it was a little derpy. Um, it was a little too much. The way that they dragged it out throughout the entire episode, the urine exploding, like, it, it was a, it was a lot. Um, but everything else I thought was well done. Even though I'm side-eyeing Kristen Kramer, I thought Papa Joe's involvement in that storyline was actually interesting. I'm glad that that was the post credit scene. Um, yeah, and, and the Godspeed stuff was hella intriguing to me. I mean, even the Esperanza thing... Um, there was that one line of, you know, with all the Godspeeds out there, we're going to need as many allies as possible. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they were thinking, I guess, maybe Ultraviolet would, will join, not join the team, but help them out in this fight. And that might be intriguing. I don't know. Um, but overall, I thought it was a a decent episode, a, a good first act in this four-episode arc uh i'll give it i'll give it a an 8.25 uh now one question i do have you mentioned you know you're still giving kramer the side eye if you're right and we find out next episode that she used her meta ability to save papa joe will that cause you to not give her side eye 
Uh, the side eye, uh, not as much. I'm still suspicious about her and what she knows with Creek. So I need her just to either reveal that she has meta abilities and maybe she didn't know about it and that's how she saved herself and so that will give me a little bit more information but i think she knows a little bit more about adam than she's letting on i'm i'm i just find it weird that she doesn't know exactly what his powers are like that to me is suspect just because they're so close like she keeps on repeating we were so close we were so close how do you not know what his powers are well, if he got his meta ability recently, like, you know, when ever, all the other metas got their powers, maybe she knew him before. And then he developed his meta powers, you know, just at the end or something like that. You know, the, the okay. time frame, you know, we're, if we're assuming that, you know, he wasn't born with his powers, that if he's a sort of standard uh, Flash meta, that, that uh, this is all headcanon. But anyway, Dimitri, how would you rate the episode? I am going to give it a nine. Oh, um, Large, I'm giving it a point for just improvement, just huge, huge improvement. You know, not too many episodes ago, I was like, this show might be a goner. I might I might have to stop watching. And this, you know, I, I was rewatching some of season one. Uh, I was bored uh, a couple weeks back and I was just like, man, we just like this is so far gone from the quality of episodes that we're getting now. And this seemed like an episode where, like, if I was watching season one and imagining what would happen six years later or seven years later with COVID, this is sort of what I'd be expecting. This is just the, like, this would fit in that season. And so props for getting back to a standard I thought was ancient history for this show. So good job. Good job all around. Well, I find myself uttering the phrase that no one ever wants to say. Dimitri, you're right. I also give it a nine. Uh, I found it a very, very satisfying episode. I thought the uh, the CG was great. The comic moments were great. You know, as we talked about, you know, maybe they did spend a little too much time, you know, uh, on the, uh, the side plots and stuff like that and, and wrapping up the Esperanza stuff that, frankly, I don't care about. Uh, but overall, I, I just, you know, like you, uh, Dimitri, I, there have been times, you know, certainly over the first half of the season where I'm thinking to myself, why are we watching this show week after week? But I'm back and in, in, interested in it. I'm really curious as to what's going to be happening with the excess stuff and, and also the Godspeed stuff. So, uh, yeah, they've got me hooked again. Damn you. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, now for my co-host. Please wish the listeners a good night, starting with Jeff. Good night, Central City. And the Godspeeds. Uh, the many, many Godspeeds. Uh, and Dimitri. Good night, Central City. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday by Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.